Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hi, you're listening to After Party Pod. I am your host, Anna David. We talk about addiction, recovery, stuff like that. After Party Pod is a part of After Party Magazine, which is then a part of RehabReviews.com, the world's largest resource for rehab reviews. If you need treatment, if a loved one needs treatment, go check it out. It's divided into different states, different price points, all sorts of things. Regardless... Today, I have someone who is definitely going to be considered a controversial guest, I would guess. His name is Joe Schrank, and I've known him for about 10 years. He was one of the co-founders of The Fix, which was a website that I edited before I started After Party Magazine. And Joe has been a sober companion, an interventionist, ran Loft 107, this very you know high-end sober living in Brooklyn. And he's sober over 20 years. He's worked at Promises, all of that stuff. Now, this year, he decided he wanted to approach treatment from a different place. And when I say different, I mean that he has opened a treatment center where it treats people, addicts, with pot to detox and all of that. It is controversial to say the least. It's been written about a little bit, getting some heat. I try very hard to reserve judgment on, you know, I know what worked for me with sobriety. I have learned that I do not know what will work for other people. And while it is very easy to just dismiss uh, this idea, what, a pot treatment center? Joe was actually an extremely smart and interesting guy who has a very interesting take on why he did this. And it has to do with seeing a lot of people die who can't stay sober. So, Um, You know, this isn't something that I would go do or that I would go recommend or anything like that. But my goal with this podcast and with everything I do is to just try to just let everybody talk about what their way is. So Joe's way is this new treatment center called High Sobriety. It's in Los Angeles. And he and I get into not a heated debate, but a very interesting conversation. And here we go. This is Joe Shrank. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my god, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? He has an organization with his son-in-law. Joe is already talking. (laughs) 
<laughs> about some sports guy that I don't care about and how he wants to The point him. being is yeah. legendary basketball coach yeah. Digger Phelps yeah. runs this camp for children whose parents have drank themselves to death or overdosed or whatever. Uh-huh. A summer camp. And that's um, great. Yeah. No, it was cool. And I got an interview with him and the recording didn't do it. It was really bad because Coach Digger was awesome and yeah. I just didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not going to happen right now. No, this is, but the point being is that I totally understand the need to back up your recording. Coach Shrank is awesome and this is going to be recording. So we're sitting here. And when I say we, I mean me. I'm sitting here with Joe Shrank, old friend. Yeah, we go way back now. We go way back. As time (laughs) passes, we become older and older friends. That's right. And yes, I'm, I'm middle aged. Oh, yeah. Just you. I'm not. Well, it's interesting because I'm also kind of an empty nester now, which, which, right. Was, is, but you were only, weird. oh, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, because, so you have two kids. I do. Yep. One was recent, a recent. Well, yeah, pretty recent. I mean, five years ago. So, God, was that long ago? Yeah, I wow. Know. Crazy, right? I know. So, okay. So, guys, in case you don't know, Joe's phone is a ringing, which is like terribly rude. It looks like he's on the verge of answering it, I'm frankly. Not answer it. Um, just, I don't know what this thing is. So, Joe is sober um, over 20 years. 20 years in February. 20 years in February, probably by the time you hear this, and um, and is a longtime interventionist and sober companion. Yeah. And yep. owned a place called Loft 107 in, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn mm-hmm. and now has recently opened. Yeah, this is the yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Well, and I was a residential therapist at That's Promises, right. which is where I kind of the point of entry into this world. But yes, uh, my new program is called High Sobriety and it's a um, abstinence alternative harm reduction intervention using cannabis. So it's a medicalized protocol of cannabis, helps people get off drugs, alcohol and other drugs that have a lethal dose. And you are the first place like this in the world, correct? <laughs> so or is, does this exist in like Amsterdam or something? Or Um... If it did, it would exist in Europe or Canada. Yeah, I don't know of it. Uh, I don't. I don't know of any that that do this. I mean, sort of systemically, they do. Harm reduction is much more accepted in, in Canada. Canada. Yeah, yeah, for sure in Canada and definitely in Europe, Australia. You know, those kinds of places with socialized medicine. So it's not. I haven't invented the wheel. And harm reduction is actually a really basic, fundamental social work practice. Right. Like, do no harm suture the wound, make things better, you know, that kind of a thing. So it's not, I mean, I think it's different. It's hard for for recovery people to get their minds around, but there's nothing new or unheard of about it. And what made you decide to do this? What made me decide to do this? Um, a few things, I think. I'm from, you know, the overdose problem is so prevalent and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, so that's one of the things that definitely to me where there's life, there's hope. So if somebody can get off opiates or, or drugs that have a lethal dose using cannabis, that's massive improvement and a big victory in my mind. Um, did you personally witness a lot of ODs? I have. And I think that that was a big turning point. I mean, I used to be AA abstinence only. You're kidding yourself. You can't do it. You know, all that sort of uh, thing which mm-hmm. aligned with me as a 12-step person but did never really align with me as a social worker mm. it didn't really connect 
And then six years ago now, which I can't believe, but yeah, six years ago, Greg, my friend Greg, overdosed and died alone in a hotel room. And the truth is, it wasn't for lack of trying. He'd been to rehab multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, in earnest, try AA. Right. Go to meetings, go to meetings, go to meetings, go to meetings, raise your hand. I have one day back, you know, the whole thing. And so at some point, when did that system fail Greg, you know, and I do like towards the end and he was getting loonier and loonier Mm -hmm. um, as people do. I kind of said, not even kind of, I said, Greg, how about pot? Mm -hmm. Can you just smoke pot? You know, oh, I can't, you know, I mean, I come off stage, you know, the whole kind of manic thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're using the, the holy trinity of death, cocaine, I'm edgy, I'll have a few drinks, oh, now I need a Xanax, oh, did I take a Xanax, maybe I'll take another Xanax, maybe I'll have another drink. You know, at some point, spinning that and playing that Russian roulette, the bullet's coming up in the chamber. You know, you can't do that. He died of, uh, was it opiates? Um, I think it was, yes, I think ultimately it was opiates that stopped respiratory response where people just stop breathing right and so that's really one of the things that take that takes people down but the point being is look what if i don't and i don't know that he could have stabilized using cannabis i have no idea did he try he did not Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we don't know Mm -hmm. if it would have been a successful uh protocol for him or not but if it had been his boys three boys would have have a dad and i'd have my buddy and comedy would have their genius and okay he smokes pot is that the worst thing in the world now um how controversial has this been it's only been open two weeks right yeah two weeks or less i mean we've been able to take people for a while we just went live with the website and so that kind of rang the bell right um you know and the world now until you have a website that you don't exist you don't exist nothing exists so it's controversial to say the least. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of people who are coming at me, which I expected. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I mean, I totally understand. I really do. I get, I don't even necessarily disagree. Right. You know, it's right. like, am I, well, which hat am I wearing? Am I wearing, you know, Joe AA Brooklyn cop plumber meeting hat? Right. Or am I wearing joe social worker hat and and so you're still sober you are a thousand percent abstinent absolutely i'm i am abstinent that's probably been the best thing for me i don't like mayor i don't like pot i don't like the smell of it right i mean there's a bunch of different reasons but the truth is you know if i have arthritis in the next decade and a half and the doctor says you can have oh here's some vicodin and an anti-inflammatory or here's the gummy bear I'm taking the gummy bear. I'm af- I'm afraid of pills. Yeah. Have you had to take any painkillers or anything in your sobriety? Um, no. I had some dental work and the guy was like, oh, we'll give you this. And I said, do I have to take it? What if I don't take it? He said, well, it'll hurt if you don't take yeah. it. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't know, man. Life hurts. If it's not going to help me heal or anything, I honestly, I would just rather be in pain for a couple of days with Advil and to try to open up that can of worms of painkillers or because I feel like I would have I would have oh my god my pain or I, I would have said oh I'm you know you know I'm six five I need two right but kind of you know and so I just I'm I kind of feel like I need to stay 
on that side of the line for myself personally. I don't think that that's everybody's. I've taken um, opiates twice in sobriety. For, yeah. I, once for back pain, and then I had this eye operation six months ago. I've got Vicodin in this very house. Right. Um, and my experience both times was it made me so nauseous and so depressed. You didn't like it. And I loved opiates. Right. Back in the day. Yeah. And, and, sure. and so I, I think it's surprising. I would have thought it would have like, you know, yeah. set off the beast well, or whatever. Well, things change. Yeah. Look, we change yeah. and our perspectives change. And our chemistry change, changes. Our chemistry changes. Yeah. Exactly. But, but so. back to this thing, do you think that people go, oh, well, Joe's smoking pot and he's trying to justify it? Yes. I think people say that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I've done a lot of research with this. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting. The cannabis culture is very different than the recovery culture. Right. Cannabis people are um, very nice, kind, gentle people. Like if you go into one of those places, they're not what you think, or they're not what I thought. You know, they. You mean the, like a like if you go to like a, to a, a smoke to a, shop or whatever? Well, yeah, a dispensary. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, they what seem called. a little in L.A. They seem a little more cheesy. And yeah, like creepy. In, in, in Northern California, yeah, in San Francisco, some of them look like Starbucks, and some of them yeah. look like, you know, when they think of this as a high-end wine right. shop, they also, you know, at some points, it's like, well, what what can't it do? Because they're like, oh, no, right. oh, you have a rash? Oh, you, oh, you can't sleep? Oh, you can't, you know? Right. And I was actually really surprised at who was in them. Um, and- I don't know. I can't get my mind around. Look, these people are not going to brawl. And the bar next door is, who knows what's going to happen in the bar next door. Yeah. And so why people are so focused on the evils of cannabis, I don't quite get. Well, what about the fact that, you know, especially before the age of 25, when your brain is not fully formed? Yeah. Well, look, I don't think intoxication for somebody under the age of 25 is a good idea under any circumstances. But no, that's the... You know, the most of the active addicts are under that age. Well, that's when they start for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I uh, would prefer that uh, people under the age of 25 developed their life and stayed safe and had fun and learned a lot and figured out if they wanted to go to school or not or if they right. wanted to be an entrepreneur or not. But they don't always listen. No, they don't. No. Mm -mm. No. And so how complicated was it to set up a business like this? How did you do it? It's fairly complicated and also not, mm -hmm. right? Because the laws about residential treatment are the laws about residential treatment. None of them have been written to disqualify the use of cannabis. Maybe they could. Mm -hmm. Maybe nobody thought of it. Mm -hmm. So in California, you can have six beds, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the things that people who have treatment centers know there's nothing that precludes a doctor from prescribing cannabis as a detox protocol, as a maintenance protocol. Um, and so it's eyebrow raising for sure. But Do you think they'll change the legal. law now that you've done this? Uh, I don't. I, I really don't. I think that there is, um, no, I think there's a lot of interest and there are a lot of advocacy groups who say that this is a viable thing. And there's a lot of scholarly research that says this is a viable thing. The state of Maine just decriminalized marijuana for this reason. They're like, we're fucked. We can't. What are we going to do? People drop dead every day. 
And the rates of overdose in states that have medical cannabis are significantly lower right, than right. state. Look, more pills, more overdoses. It really is that simple. And how come you didn't do this in New York? Um, New York has medical cannabis. There's only like four or five conditions that a doctor can prescribe it for. And they're pretty severe, like mm -hmm. stage four cancer. California has the longest law. Uh, it was 1996. There's been medical marijuana in California since 1996. And there are 47 conditions that a doctor can prescribe it for. One of them being withdrawal. Um, one of them being maintenance off opiates. So so it really was, look, I'm going to have one chance. I did not want to hustle or do the drug addict, the shuck and jive with New York saying, well, you can't know if they have cancer. Oh, right, right, right. I didn't want to do that. No. So in, in LA and in California, we are 100% on board. We're totally legit. It's total compliance with law. There's nothing, there's nothing sketchy about it. And so how does it work? So six beds? Well, 12. Mm -hmm. And then we can roll out to 24 quickly if we need, if there's a response. And so they come in, it's a 30-day inpatient? 30-day residential inpatient and then continuing care. And so, yeah. and so is it just like any other treatment center where you got group, you got individual therapy? Yes and no. Um, it isn't like any other treatment center because they can smoke pot. Like, are they smoking but during the day no, in no, group? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. There's not, it is a medicalized protocol. So the right. first thing that I hope people understand or that I want them to understand is we're not sitting around listening to Pink Floyd <laughs> with bong rips and me taking people Paul's parents' money. Right. That's not what's happening. Right. I am a huge so so look, first of all, there's a there's a big vetting process. And we probably say no more than we say yes. So there's a psychiatric vetting process. If it, somebody had um a schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, that kind of thing, they would not be a candidate for this kind of treatment. Right. If somebody has never tried abstinence, we would be very hesitant to do that. We would probably say, look, you should give it a go. If somebody said, I've been in 10 treatment centers and I always use again after and I hate these meetings and I won't go, they would be, then we could go to the next step of, okay, you need to talk, you can talk to, let's talk to the doctor. The first people and calls that we've gotten have not been what I've expected. Um, what have they been? Well, they've, an older lady who wants off pills. She's very afraid of the detox. Mm -hmm. um, she's very afraid of not being able to manage her pain, her chronic pain. She's been to treatment many times. Um, she doesn't want to smoke anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> she doesn't have to. Right. But she can use um, she can use an edible. Um, and some of that, even with joint pain and stuff, and again, I don't know. Right. Those the, They'll tell you, oh, the topical oils that have no intoxicating, oh, 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 no, that's great for this and that and the other thing. In my mind, I'm like, okay, if it is, it is. So in the medicine cabinet over there, you've, yeah. got, you've got like what, like candies and topical oils. And well, no, pills. everyone has work? their individual plan with the doctor, so they decide how that's all going to work. And, and it's a psychiatrist, yeah, mm -hmm. MD psychiatrist, um, who is you know you have to have an additional licensure to be able to prescribe cannabis, which is weird because you can prescribe anything else anything else and go to CVS and get drugs that will kill you but right. you can't do that so i so anyway so it is the 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 withdrawal and the detox portion has to be 
look, alcohol is a very acute medically compromised situation. So some of those people may have to be in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and until they can be in an ambulatory detox, then they decide with the doctor how that's going to go. Um, and how they, the route of admission of the, how they would use cannabis, the preference is edibles. You know, one of my things about AA is mm, you're all dying of emphysema and lung cancer. <laughs> so not really in 2017, not really in Los Angeles, not in Los Angeles. In 2000. I don't know. I was, <laughs> should, I was sober in New York. Uh, yeah. Well, New York and Los Angeles, but you should go to AA in Columbus, right. Ohio right. or Dallas, <laughs> you know, those kinds of places that sm the smoking thing is still very prevalent. And yeah. so we, we don't want to encourage anybody to burn parts of their um, yeah, yeah, or to inhale smoke. We won't forbid that, um, but that's not going to be what's encouraged. So from there, everybody's plan is going to be individualized. I'm a huge believer in the physiological. Um, and in spite of my middle-aged, robust appearance, I love to work out. And mm -hmm. I think it's a really important piece of recovery for, certainly for men. Yeah. I think, you know, and certainly for these young guys that yeah. end up, you know, you... Be good, busy, tired, keep it moving. Yeah, keep yeah, moving. yeah. So there's a big, strong physiological component, a nutritional component. I think that that is something that's probably missed in the old style Hazelden. Yeah. They would feed you as much shit as possible and tell you, well, if you don't gain 10 pounds here, you're not really a drug addict, you right. know, all that kind of stuff. And so, so they have nutritional plan, physiological plan. They do have traditional therapy, individual and group therapy. It's a little different, the group therapy, because we use the Harkness method, mm -hmm, which that? is um, uh, you have to come prepared for group based on the topic and and you have to, everyone is called on to speak. Harkness? Harkness. H-A-R-K-N-E-S-S. -S. That's right. Never even heard of it. So you sit in a circle uh -huh. around a table uh -huh. and you've been given tasks beforehand and you have to come prepared. It's a Jesuit boys' school thing. Did you ever see the McLaughlin group? Not really. Anyway, he, he before he was a journalist, he was a Jesuit priest. And, and he so would he... say, Eleanor Clift, tell us your... So it's kind of that thing. So, so they're called on... School. It's like law school. Like law school. It's problem solving. And... It's, this is your life and your recovery, and you need to figure out your path. So... And, and um, for lack of a better way to phrase it, the entire 30 days, so they're on, they're not like high, but they're being medicated that entire time. They are being medicated. And if the doctor says, well, at, you can have in the evening uh, edible or whatever, or burned flour or whatever it is, and then I imagine they will be high. And so you were, they do not go to outside meetings then. There are meetings for people, there are mutual help meetings for people who have medication-assisted recovery. Who I have feel that. Yeah, they've either felt disenfranchised, shame, whatever, yeah. going to AA meetings. Yeah. And so we're looking to expand that. We'll provide space for that and for those folks who are either on Spoxone. So you'd host them. Like you'd yeah. kind of make it a hub for those kinds of meetings. We do. And we yeah. want to kind of grow and develop that in the community. I personally think there's a lot of those people out there. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there who are on medications that help them stay off alcohol, heroin. You know who you should talk to? Well, I don't know if this counts, but um, on that panel that we were talking about, a woman named Claudia 
Owen, I think. She, mm. It's the Sinclair method. Do you know about that? I do know the Sinclair method. She was really cool. Oh, no, I know this woman. Yeah, I really yeah, 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 liked yeah, yeah. her. And she wrote a book. She wrote a book. She wrote a book, an and actress. she was friends with this guy who had this website, Epic Times, that uh-huh. I used to write for. Oh, I kind of remember that website. Jerry... He passed away suddenly, like he had a heart attack, and then the whole thing just kind of came undone. But no, I totally know this woman. I will reach out to her. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, promotes it, gets nothing back, just is a huge believer. It saved her life. Yeah. Um, Sure. Now, now, um, okay, and so since I was uh, around for Loft 107, and I remember that chef, I still remember the food. Is it food like that? Like you got a chef there? Oh, yeah. Like making the best food ever? Well, I think that recovery should be fun. I still remember the brownies. I still remember the well, brownies. I don't think I, I don't think recovery should be deprivation or drudgery. Right. And I think that, you know, recovery is not cheap, fast, and easy, and neither should the food we be. Right. You know, the food that we eat should be. Um, I would love Anthony to come and be the chef here, but I don't He can't move. Eh, his life is in New York. So But you got a full time chef. Yes. And mm-hmm. and and then you take him to a gym? You have we do there? well. Yes, it's not. It's it is. It's sort of an integrative, multidisciplinary. So there's cardio, there's yoga, there's breathing. I mean, everybody's going to be at a different stage of what they can do physically. Yeah. So not everybody is going to be able to do a vigorous cardio, um, but so their plan will be individualized, and then they'll have a trainer that will help them continue to grow and develop. And some people who have been on pill, like this lady with arthritis, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that can really help her, but I doubt she would be able to just do that Start on her own. Soul cycle that right. day. No, I don't think she's gonna go to soul cycle. Now, and then in terms of discharge. Yeah. And in terms of continuing care, how does mm-hmm. that work? They well, we have a continuing care program mm-hmm. again where they'll get more and more freedom. Mm-hmm. The the goal is for them to self-regulate their own behavior mm-hmm. and for them to make the determination of how they want their recovery to go. Um and again, that's social work theory and practice, that the client has the right to self-determine, that the client, um, uh, that, that me as the practicing social worker, I don't have the right to impose what I want for them. Right. So in other words, what I hope, <laughs> what I hope some of them do is that they use this as a stepping stone to cessation of all drug use. Like, okay, I get it you know, it's hard. Like flip that switch and be drug free in 30 days and go back to your life and never use again. I I don't even know that that's compassionate, to be honest. So if these people spend 90 days, six months uh, using cannabis and they can use it safely uh, and then they decide, well, I I want a better job. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love to say, well, then that's going to have to go too because that's not serving your your goals. I don't know what they're going to want to do. There are some people who won't want to go any further. You know, and that's how do what you they... determine what's using safely? Well, look, there's no known lethal dose of cannabis, so it's inherently safer than all other drugs. There's lethal doses of cocaine. There's lethal doses of methamphetamine. There are lethal doses, certainly alcohol, yeah, which we pills, never yeah. look at, but it does kill 88,000 uh, people a year. 1,800 college kids on college campuses drink a lethal dose. Right. Um, and so why we don't ever indict alcohol as this big problem, and it's just sort of given over to to uh, part of American life, I don't really know. I feel like that's definitely changing with increased awareness in the last few years. Maybe. 
you know, I mean, there's this commercial, uh, it's a beer commercial and the dog is lonely and the young guy comes back and, oh, hey. I remember we talked about this commercial years ago. Did we? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. I stayed at my friend because I was drinking and I didn't want to drive. Right. You know, you know how many people get drunk and they have a violent interaction with their significant other or they split their head open and they go to the ER and they don't have insurance. I mean, there's a million things that can go wrong with alcohol use. It's not just that you drove. Now, what are some of the most virulent reactions you've gotten since word has gone um, out? That I'm a drug dealer. Okay. That it's a money-making scheme. Mm-hmm. That... um that I'm in line with passages telling people that there's a cure. Um, oh, what else? I don't know. And are, are, like, <laughs> are, are, are you pretty... hearing from people you don't know? You do oh, know? Oh, no. These are people I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there yeah. are lots of people I don't know. Are I they mean, writing on Facebook? They're writing they... on Facebook. They're commenting on the blog. They're doing, you know, that kind of a, a thing. Um, I have yet to get any phone calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't gotten any direct phone calls yet, but I welcome them. I don't... And I think that that's kind of the great irony. There's a bunch of different things here. Mm -hmm. I got a message about this is a money-making scheme from somebody running a $65,000 a month Malibu rehab. Mm -hmm. Really? Is that right? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. How much is yours? Can you say? $42,500. We can individualize insurance and we do have sliding scale. Uh, So call us. I mean, look, I think if we can help, we will. The other thing is we're, we're taking on... Um, we're writing an amicus curiae brief. What is that? Uh, friend of the court, mm-hmm. amicus curiae, and it's just sort of why the insurance company should pay for this kind of treatment. Because insurance companies, the goal is abstinence, right? So if you go to rehab, you're supposed to pee clean. You're not supposed to pee with THC. Right. Um, and insurance companies don't, well, you know, culturally, we don't value improvement. So right. if you if you were peeing opiate, uh, and then you peed only THC, insurance companies still aren't paying for that. So that's a big issue. Um, so when you said, but you said something like we can do individualized uh, insurance. What did you just say? Well, you can. So in other words, they can, we can individualize every session with the psychiatrist, with the social worker, with the MFT family person, et cetera, et cetera. And insurance can reimburse that. Mm-hmm. We can't say on the front end, this is what your benefits will allow. And we need, you know, it's, out of pocket or whatever, you know, however insurance companies work. So. And do you drug test for opiates and other things? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. No, we still drug test. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge believer or fan of drug tests. Right. Because I think when you're trying, change is always through relationship. Right. And when you're trying to be in a therapeutic alliance with somebody to set up that cat and mouse policing, it toxifies trust. Yeah. It toxifies a lot of things. We also all, and you know, I mean, you know, I love narcotic detection dog. You do. Do you still have that dog? I do. Yeah. 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 No, he's great. I mean, he's older now, so he doesn't. Is he here in LA? No, he's still in New York, but he, um, you know, they, he's probably 10 and he's kind of like. Not as detecting. Yeah. He's just like, I know you're going to pet me and feed me, so. Right. Off. I'm not right. Gonna, when right. he was younger, it was like, anymore. where are the drugs? I'm going to find the drugs. Him. Didn't he get on TV? Yeah, no, there's a bunch of stories done about about Mick um, trying to help people stay in recovery. But I don't, you know, so look, we will drug test, mm-hmm. you know, but to me, that's a data point. Um, that's not, it shouldn't be the whole story. Yeah. It shouldn't be because when we get calls from parents, what was the drug test? Like, 
well, okay, he he applied for a job. Well, and the drug test, like, and he registered for a class. Like, there's lots of different metrics of life improvement and right. trending in the right direction. So the drug test, <laughs> every kid, oh, it's wrong. No, so it's not. They're incredibly accurate. If somebody tested positive for opiates th- there, what happens? Well, that's a good question. You know, the protocol, in my view, has always been clinical intervention. It's not shame. It's not discharge. I could never get my mind around. Somebody comes to us for help with a problem. So we punish them when they have the problem. Right. That never made sense to me. You know, so places that... Kick you out. One relapse and you're out. You know, and I understand the value of boundaries and I understand the value of... of um consequence of behavior but i just i i I could never do it i mean i couldn't and what kinds of calls have you been getting are they from parents or uh they've been a myriad of calls Mm -hmm. i mean like i said i was really what i thought was going to be my son's been in rehab 27 times and he just can't get it together and he says he'll uh he can still smoke pot you know i thought it was going to be that kind of demographic from fancy suburbs of wherever Right. Um, it's so far been older people, <laughs> which is interesting. It's been, uh, I can't drink on my medication anymore, but I can't stop drinking. And I, and my response has been, look, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, a 68 year old guy who's drank scotch for 45 years. Are you really going to get that guy to go to AA? Right. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe one of a hundred, but you know, and are we going to get the guy to use cannabis, you know, it's like, look, if you don't find the girl of your dreams, you take what you can get. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, right. I, this is better. These guys, people in their 60s and 70s will live better, longer, and happier as with harm reduction than they would with not being able to do total abstinence. Yeah, or dying. Right, or dying. And this guy will do that, and he will drink himself to death. His family has said... He's so much better. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. And you know what he would be like if we just took his booze away <laughs> and told him he would not be happy. You would not be happy. It's interesting because, yeah. you know, I think when you and I first met, I was very much like abstinent. Well, I mean, look, for me, abstinence, for me, first choice abstinence always. Sure. But I was yeah. very much 12 step or, or you're not sober. Yeah. And that really has changed for me in doing this work and first at the fix and now at after party where well, I, look, hear, I think one of the things that we discovered at the fix is there's a whole other world outside of yeah. the 12 step world yeah. of people who have had drug problems and things that they have done uh, to to address them, you know. And I don't think I knew that. I didn't know what a wide swath of people that was. Yeah. And I didn't believe them, you know. And, and so I'm very grateful that I get that like, oh, this is true for me. And this is not true for everybody. But it's funny because, like, when you first called and told me about this, I was like, cool, Joe. Like, it didn't even cross my mind that this was, like, going to be scandalous or, like, a big deal. I was like, yeah, good idea. Yeah. Well, And and then I was surprised last week with, like, the LA Weekly story. My friend wrote it and, you know. Yeah, your friend wrote the LA Weekly story. Well, they were – and I felt like such a dick. I didn't – you know. But the PR – yeah. The, she's like, don't talk to anybody. Let me talk to them first. And she was and, out of town. Yeah. And she was out of town and this and that and whatever. And it's just like, well, why have a lawyer if you don't listen to the lawyer? Right. You know, because right. I, and I totally try to respect that 
because I hear parents all the time, well, he should this and he should that. And I just think, take him home. Right, right, right. You take him home and you do it. Why do you, why do you want me and Dr. B steering this ship if you don't want to listen to us? Right, right. And so I told LA Weekly, I couldn't talk. <laughs> and like, it's meanwhile, like, you're dying to talk, you know, like, like, I mean, not, you know, whatever. I've always found you a very open communicator. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. who's, who's articulate and able to, you know, summarize like what, you know what I mean? Like you're the best spokesperson for your cause. Right. And it, I didn't mean to say that I, I wouldn't talk to him. Just you needed to wait. Well, and it, right. And I didn't know that he was so, he's like, day. we're going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, like, yeah, really? Yeah. Shit, okay. Right, right, right. Well, you know, you got to jump while the news is hot. You got to jump while the news is hot. I know. Um. So. And here's the other thing that I would like to mention is that we will, we our pro bono mission is for combat vets. Now, vets are a population who does very well with cannabis. Mm -hmm. First of all, they want off pills. Um, they feel like the VA has overprescribed. They feel dulled down. They feel uh, kind of chained to their, their pharmaceuticals. And they think that cannabis is a better option for them. My thing is the suicide rates are very high among vets. And most of them are drunk when they do it. Right. So if, and all of the research suggests that people in California who have a medical marijuana card don't drink alcohol. So vets who can make that transition from pills, from pharmaceuticals and alcohol to cannabis is a massive victory. It right. really is. Right. I mean, and so it's free treatment for It them? is free treatment for combat vets. That's right. They, I mean, there's rules. And we've done this before, and I was like, well, you have no Second Amendment rights here, so give me the gun now. Right, right. And there's no booze. M mostly they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But there are people who want to do that. There's a big community in Colorado of people who have moved there for that reason, um, you know, that they, they feel that cannabis helps their PTSD, it helps them sleep, it helps them in a bunch of different ways. And so that's... One of our things is that I'm trying to say, uh, yeah, man, like dial those guys down. They right, need it. They right. they should feel better. Why shouldn't they feel better? Well, right. You know, so. Well, this is fascinating. What a good like opportunity for me to be able to ask every question. And we just, ha you know, we've been talking about you coming on this podcast for literally years. Right. And so we have talked about that. And, and you know, and yeah. well, at one point you were like, oh, we're not having any intervention. So I, I know, like, right. I know. And like, you know, it's it's complicated, uh, the rationale behind that. But um, no, I understand the rationale behind it because I you don't, don't want to have an infomercial for my jellies. We and just jams. did, by the way. I was yeah, thinking no, about you that. Did. You but just, it, but you, it's also. Right completely new way of looking at it for so many people listening for and so that's how I think listening. it's fine I'm I not mean, and honestly what I have found is that seasoned clinicians say that makes total sense mothers who have lost a child say I wish that somebody had given us that option I didn't know that that was an option people who have lost somebody myself included if you could take your person back, if they were a cannabis user and not totally abstinent, would you do it? A hundred percent of the people Have you say been yes. in touch with Gabor Mate? I've not been in touch with him. I want to get in touch with him. And yeah. now that I'm here more, I'm trying to get, because this really is the epicenter of recovery. I mean, this yeah. is like, you know, New York is, is scattered and it's hard to talk to people and it's kind of old style and that kind of thing. And I'm, you know, and, and, um, 
Los Angeles is just way more developed in terms of recovery community and advocacy and people who are involved. Yeah, a number of treatment centers. Well, a number of treatment centers. Well, okay. That's for sure. sure. So if people want to find you, High Sobriety is the website. HighSobrietyTreatment.com. Treatment.com. And that's one of some of the pushback that I've gotten is I don't like the name. Yeah. And I've thought, well, I love irony as a New Yorker. And right. I love the pun, and I don't want to apologize. Well, and it's also The Fix, which, you know, you are right. one of the co-founders, and, yep. and I was the editor for a few years, yeah. and th- people had a problem with that name. After Party, my current, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, people had a, pr- yeah, and I get it because, well, that's not sobriety kind of thing, but I also want to just lead with that foot, you know, because one of the things that I've gotten is, you're just trading one drug for another. Like, yes, that's right. That's what's, yeah. No, you're 100% right. Right. That's what's happening. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. You know, we are trading one drug for another. We're trading drugs that will kill you for a drug that won't. And and then we'll see what happens. And that's why, you know, the tagline that I've come up with is lethal, non-lethal life. So that's what you get. You get to live if you want from, if that's the starting point, Maybe you get to have a fuller, richer life from that point. I don't what know. were some of the other names you toyed with? Um, well, I don't like um, I don't like um, like nature names. I don't. I actually don't like nature. <laughs> people are like, people are like, no, no. You should. You if you've never been camping. I, I thought we invented stuff to get away from it like air conditioning and toilets no right um so i think that that kind of seasons and blah 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 and hiking and that that's not really what this is i mean this is much more practical pragmatic Mm -hmm. and flat-footed and um look if people find an interest in nature uh but i'm not being coy when people are like you just need to go let's go to be i'm like no i don't like it Mm -mm." um do you did you have other names that you were thinking of? There were, I, I mean, abstinence alternative, mm-hmm. and that really would have because it was AA was oh, why yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to do that. Yeah, abstinence alternative um, was it taken? No, um, we just sort of collaborated and decided high sobriety. It, it, it's a good name because it does it does say what it is. Yeah, you know, it does yeah. say what it is, and it's a it's an elevated form of of sobriety it is a form of sobriety it is not the framework of 12-step meeting life that's not what it is and people have said that that one's another one how are they going to go to meeting like they're not going to go to but meetings. do you think calling it an elevated form mm-hmm. is could be uh you know offensive in that elevated is the you know conception is that it's better i do think that that could be offensive to some people Without question. Like, I hear that. And I'm like, that's not an elevated form of like, what, I'm 16 years sober. Really? It's elevated above death. I mean, right, right, right. Above, but not uh, not elevated above It's a, elevated above the morgue. I don't really, and I, I know that it's not realistic for me to think I'm not doing this. I don't want to set up an adversarial, we're better than, you're, than right, you. Right. I'm, tra- I'm not trying to, trying to widen the road. Yeah. And I'm trying to give people options. I'm not trying to say you know, 
forget AA, forget abstinence. That's crazy. I figured this out. Right. That's not what I'm. This is an option. Not at all. This is an an option for people who have fallen through the cracks with that particular modality or people that won't do it or they're not willing to do it or they just have had a negative experience with it or whatever their reason or rationale may be. Um and so I think that that's, and it, you know, and honestly, in running the loft in Brooklyn, guys would come to me and they would say, okay, I used last night. And I would say, okay, you know, and my sponsor said this and my sponsor said that. And this just sort of deep sense of shame. And I would say, well, but you were using every day. Right. And you used, you've been here 90. And if you're being honest with us, you've used one of 90 days. That's pretty good, isn't it? Right. I mean, and don't you, I mean, and you can keep going with that. It's not like the, the, the baby out with the bathwater shame thing just doesn't, it doesn't do, it doesn't do well with me. I don't like it. And I don't yeah. like correction of people. You know, yeah. I don't like, um, I think it's why my relationships with women are so short. <laughs> You've been in a relationship for years now. It is tr It's true. No, it's true. But I just the, you know, when that dynamic starts to um, play, I'm very sensitive to, I'm very sensitive to the imposition, like a, evangelical Christians make my head want to explode. Right. 700 million Hindus are not going to hell. Right. I can't with this. And, right. you know, and I see the boxer shorts on the floor. Maybe you should go to your house where there are no boxer shorts on the floor you know right. those kinds of things right. and so and i do believe people have the right to self-determine if you're not an aa person coercing somebody into that has a backlash and my only my only statement about that is that i have seen over and over again it works what you call pr corrective and punishing mm -hmm. i had first an experience i went out i lost my time i came back I, you know, never thought it was possible. And I've now gone years and years and years without even wanting to use drugs. And as right. I told you, like I took opiates and it made me dis Which is disgusted. a wonderful experience for sure. And it's not everybody's experience, but it that's is really the, that's a really lot of people thing. I've met. It's a lot, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, and I've met those people too. And, and that's the other thing I think that people have a very difficult time with getting their heads around is how can I be participating in 12-step life and, and critical of it? Uh, is a hard thing for people to get, you know, to understand. And the only way that I can explain it is I, I can wear different hats. Right. You know, I currently have this young guy, a sponsee. He's, and he's like, I, I want to do this right, Joe. I'm like, okay, right, good. Then we'll do it. And I'm, you know, we write out steps. He goes to meetings. He calls me the whole thing. I would never in a million years say, oh, fuck that. Just smoke pot. Right. I just wouldn't do it. Right. But if he said to me, I've been to rehab now three times. These meetings are making me crazy. And he was hospitalized. He drank himself into a detox of having to pump his stomach. I'd say, why don't maybe we should consider something else here? Maybe there's some other okay. way. So, okay, we have to wrap up. So, people, high sobriety treatment. Um... Highsobrietytreatment.com. And the blog name, Aunt Mary Jane's Kitchen. Yeah. Blazing new trails in recovery. That one, I, I might consider something else because people are like. Um, 
Now, and then people can find you on Twitter and Facebook and all that they stuff. They can find me on all that. They can Google me. I do. Have, I still have my intervention website, which is denialends.com, mm-hmm. and they can check me out there. Um, well, Joe, it was such a pleasure. Thank you for explaining all of this. Don't yeah. be facetious. Thank yeah. you. So that was Joe Schrank on After Party Pod talking about his new treatment center, quotes, treatment center, high sobriety. To find out more about this podcast, go to After Party Magazine. If you like the podcast, rate, subscribe, review, all of that stuff. And I will see you next time.